Welcome to The Cindy Rushton Show. Encouraging, empowering, and equipping as you step into your calling and life purpose. Here is your hostess, Cindy Rushton. Good morning. I'm so excited that you guys are joining me for this new episode. Um, Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I just believe is just a now word for today. Well, before we dig in, I want to welcome you to today's show. I also want to invite you to check out our website. There you can find our show notes. You can also subscribe so you get updates either by email or you can subscribe to our feed using your favorite podcast player. I was even excited to find this week that you can find us in the Audible app. They have listed us. Just search for us under um, podcast. Look for the Cindy Rushton Show, and we are there. Meaning, you can take us wherever you go, whether it's out on a walk, whether it's tidying up around the house, whether it's to work with you, whether it's on that commute, we can go with you. Well, you guys, it is time for us to dig into today's show. And again, I believe that this is a now word for us today. Now, you've probably already seen the title. The title is Delay Comes for Exposure. That is the point of the whole entire broadcast. But I really want to share with you just some, I believe, some truth that will come alongside of you and help you to see delay from a whole different perspective. Okay, so let me ask you a few questions. Are you wondering what in the world is going on? Are you wondering where God is when all these crazy things are going on? Are you wondering why he sometimes seems so silent or quiet at minimum? Oh, my beloved, nothing is happening right now outside of our Heavenly Father's care. He is watching. Nothing at all is happening outside of his full attention. Nothing is catching him off guard. He's not left you. He is not failing you. He is not forsaking you. Everything in your life concerns him. So whenever you hit a time of delay, he is not only aware, but actually he forewarns us of these types of days. He wants for us to live in peace and confidence when difficulties come into our lives. He gives us his word so we can stand strong in the midst of life's struggles, life's crisis situations, life's losses or even life's tribulations. His word offers us absolute certainty in these uncertain times. I can hear you now. I know that, Cindy, but it just seems like there's a delay in justice. There's a delay in provision. There's a delay in healing, a delay in answers, or where's your delay? Are you sensing a delay? Is the delay scaring you? Is the delay exhausting you? Well, my sweet friend, you are so, so not alone. But here, let me tell you something. The good news is that the delay, every single delay has a purpose. It has a very good purpose. And the good news is that the delay is bringing about the things that God promised through the ages. 
The good news is that the delay is not about judgment or wrath or disengagement by God. In fact, the delay is not taking God by surprise at all. Come on. You can know what is going on. Just soak in that. So, okay, you're probably thinking, why the delay? I want to propose that the delay is because delay brings exposure. Think about that for a moment. Now, let's pull out our bubbles, and I want to just show you some things that it exposes. Are you ready? First of all, it exposes God's absolute preparation for his people. Oh, yeah. Did you know that one-third of the Bible is prophecy? The rest of the Bible, get this, actually offers context and explanation of its purpose and meaning that you have inside a prophecy. So, you can know that the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of prophecy, is that God is preparing his people. He wants a prepared people. Soak that in for a moment. Prophecy is to give you absolute certainty during absolutely uncertain times. The Bible's filled with people going through very difficult experiences. It's full of people going through struggles and losses and crisis situations. We see these stories over and over and over again in Scripture. And here... You guys, this is what we see. We see their experiences. We see their struggles. We see their losses. We see their crisis situations. And in the Bible, we see day-to-day situations. We also see worldwide situations. Think about that for a moment. In each of these, we see moments that were so very difficult that the people were desperate for deliverance. Yes, part of the reason that they were desperate for deliverance was because of the delays. But those delays were exposing God's absolute preparation for each and every person. Think about it. Abraham did not see the blessing of parenthood for 25 years. You want to talk about a delay? Personally, in my situation today, I don't want to wait 25 years. How about you? (laughs) But think about it. Joseph. Joseph did not get raised into position and fulfill those dreams that he had for 15 years. Moses was prepared in the home of the Pharaoh for 40 years, but then he hid on the backside of the desert for another 40 years before he was called. And then he put in an additional 40 years wandering around the wilderness with the children of Israel. Talk about delays. 120 years of delays. Come on. Speaking of that, just think of the years of captivity in Egypt. Think of the years of captivity in Babylon. Think about the delay between the final revelation of God in Malachi until 400 years later when Jesus came on the scene. Or those Jews who did not even see him then, they've waited an additional 2,020 years past that to present day. What we see in the scripture is that during each of those times, God's word faithfully told them what to expect. Even greater, he always came through for them. Now, again, just I want to remind you that one third of the Bible is prophecy. Even the prophetic that foretold of events that have taken place in the past, 
Much of that is even a foreshadowing of the events that are taking place or that are about to take place. They help us to understand the totality of what is going to happen in these end days so that we can have, again, absolute certainty in very uncertain times. This truth, my sweet friend, should serve to encourage you. It should empower you. It should equip you. It should direct your decisions and your paths. Prophecy should serve to give you a special benefit, a special blessing that the rest of the world does not have because you are a child of God. You have blessings that you can access when all around you looks impossible, dire, frightening, difficult, and uncertain. Because prophecy is given so you can be completely certain in the most uncertain times. Secondly, delays clarify and confront us with the truth of who we are and what is ours, our beloved identity. My sweet friend, your identity as a child of God assures you of many things. Your beloved identity sets you in a position as his beloved child. His child. Yeah, you have beloved identity. Think what that means just for a moment. In fact, this is an invitation to a conversation with God. I have been asking him for months, what does it mean that I have identity as your beloved child? And I'm telling you, this is some good stuff. Yeah. One tenet of our faith and our worldview is that we have identity. It is a tenet of our faith and our worldview. Every worldview has a view upon identity, yet all the other world religions and all the other worldviews struggle in this area. In fact, the post-postmodernists will even go so far as to declare that there is no God, there is no truth, there is no identity, there is no purpose in this life. The ramifications that they face are so evident in our culture because they are steeping our culture in their ideology. We see it today as an attack against the church and against all truth that the church stands upon and all truth that the church is here to share. Other religions and other beliefs and ideologies are very similar. They devalue people. They mock God. They reject God. They offer counterfeits to God. They offer a counterfeit story to the whole redemption of mankind. Think about the ramifications that you see in your world today. Because I'm telling you, they are there. They are there. We see this. Identity. Identity is not up for grabs. We have a living God. An engaged God. We have truth. I'm talking about absolute truth. Truth that we can bank on. Just like we this morning probably had no doubt that there would be a morning when we went to bed last night. No, because the sunrise and sunset is declared by the truth we believe. You know, I, I, I really believe that this culture has lost so much because everything used to be based upon a biblical worldview here in our culture here in America at minimum. And there were things that were givens. Today, many of those are being stripped away and we're being devalued. We're being mocked. 
They are rejecting us. They're rejecting our God. They're offering counterfeit stories. They're taking our story and removing God from it. And that leaves really a yucky story. But our identity, my friends, is not shaken by what they do. Our identity is not shaken by what they say or what they spin about us. Our story is not shaken because our identity and all that it means is not shaken during any difficult time. It's not shaken by any story. Rather, it is exposed. Yeah, when we hit difficult times, when we hit delays, our identity is exposed for the glory of God. Our identity is a position that grounds us firmly in good times and in difficult times. Our identity is based upon what God, our creator, says about us. What we can do, what we cannot do, what our life means, what we're here for, what resources we have, what and how we can access all that is ours, how we are to implement our calling and life purpose, what we can believe is truth and error, what he gives us, what he can and will do in and through us. Our identity is not based upon our actions or even our reactions. Our identity is not based upon our works or lack thereof. We are who he says we are. We can do what he says we can do. And that's whether we do it or not. We have everything he says we have. He is who he says he is. He can do everything he says he can do. He will do every single thing he says he will do. He can and he will do everything that he says he can and will do in and through you and me. None of this is ever changed by situations that we face. None of it is ever shaken. None of this is at risk. We can have certainty in the midst of the unknown. Well, at least the unknown by us. He already knows the unknown. You have certainty when you're under attack. You have certainty in the midst of your most difficult battle. You have absolute certainty in the midst of uncertain times. Delays, even in the midst of very challenging times, clarify and confront us with the truth of who we are and what is ours. Our delays confront us with our beloved identity. Now, before I move on, I do also want to note that delays also serve to correct our errors, to build up our weak or our misinformed faith to expose our distractions, to demand that we take our faith up level. Think about the stories of Mary and Martha in Scripture. They were both devout disciples of Jesus Christ. They knew him personally. Yet, look at what happened when delays hit them. The first delay was when Martha lost it because Jesus delayed, yeah, there you see that word again, in correcting Mary for sitting at his feet instead of doing something. This story intrigues me because we know that things have to get done. We see enough principles in the Bible about the value of work to know that Jesus was not making light of the duties of a godly woman. Rather, Jesus exposed priorities 
attitudes, even actions that created disunity and conflict between the two sisters. Paul clarified the relationships that we should be forging in the family of God when he wrote in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, a very important, important instruction for the church. Let's look at that passage in the Passion Translation. Let's test our own interactions with each other. And I am going to emphasize a few parts as we go through this. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. Okay, hold on. Let's stop right here. What is your high rank? What is your high rank as the church? How on earth can every single one of us have high rank? It is because we have an identity as God's child, as his beloved child. Again, that beloved identity. So he pleads with us to walk holy in a way that is suitable of our high rank as a child of the king of kings. The king, the king. We're the child of the king. Oh, given to you in your divine calling with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Being one body and one spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we. For we share one faith, one baptism and one father. And he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all and lives in us all. And he's generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why he says, He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. And gifts were given to men. He ascended means after he had first descended from the heights of heaven, even descending as far as the lowest parts of the earth. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. Soak that in, sweet friends. Why did he descend to earth? Why did he ascend? Again, it's to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. This is the story. This is our story. This is the world's story, whether they accept it or not. And here he continues. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling, get this, their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. I love this. Oh, and keep keep on with me. And we will not 
be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by the novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong, always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All of our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the anointed head of His body, the church. For His body has been formed in His image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in love. Could there be a more perfect passage for today? Martha blew it because she missed the main thing, the thing that was needful. And Jesus would not take that away from Mary. Martha was distracted. She was worried. She was upset about many things. That's in Luke 10, 41. Delays have a way of exposing those things. And this situation was not the only time that Mary and Martha were exposed. Just a few pages later in scripture, we read that they went through a situation that exposed their shallow theology. Look at the whole story in John 11, 1 through 44. These very disciples and devout followers of Jesus were both all to pieces. They had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick and they needed him. But get this, Jesus delayed. Again, Jesus delayed. We can read the whole story in just five minutes. However, we see that Jesus purposefully delayed. Instead of coming when they sent for him, he stayed an additional two days saying this, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God that takes place. We see that in John eleven four. Jesus did not even start that direction until the third day third day. Think about that. Jesus delayed for three days. Now, for a moment, just picture yourself in this situation. Imagine yourself in the story for a moment, especially if you're a believer with a sick loved one. He could have come to them. He was only about, get this, two miles away from them in Jerusalem. We're talking about getting there in less than an hour. He really had no reason to delay, did he? No wonder they were upset. Let's look at the story in the Passion Translation. It says, Now, when they had arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Now, let me ask you, what do you think she, what do you think she was like at that moment? Why do you think that Mary stayed behind? Why did, why do you think Martha went out to him? Listen to the intensity of the conversation. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection 
and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, Yes, Lord, I do. I have always believed that you are the anointed one, the Son of God, who has come into the world for us. Then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, The master's here and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we will show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus's face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Let's stop and let's think about this for a moment. They sent for Jesus when Lazarus was very ill, but still alive. He was only two miles away. Jesus purposefully delayed. He intentionally delayed. They were in grief. Their greatest fears had come to pass. Not only that, even the ones who were there mourning are making comments like, isn't this the one that opens blind eyes? They were mocking him. Like, why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Isn't that just exactly the dialogue we hear in our culture today? Jesus doesn't come. Well, why isn't he there with you? You know, he says he cares so much. Why isn't he stopping you from going through this or that? It sounds just exactly like the accusations of the enemy, doesn't it? But think of this whole scenario. They were in deep grief. Their greatest fears had come upon them. Now, my sweet friends, I want for your theology to be solid here. They believed Jesus. They knew he could heal. They also knew that he had delayed and that if he had been there with them, he could have saved Lazarus from death. Oh, but don't judge them. We sit in a society that scoffs and mocks Christians who believe Jesus will heal viruses, diseases, infirmities. Mary and Martha faced the actual death of their brother. Lazarus was in the tomb completely dead for four days. How would you respond? How would those around you respond? Let, let, let's, just, let's just say this. What if I, I came to your house after your loved one had been dead and I was there to, and everyone was there comforting you. They were, everyone was in grief. And I said, okay, um, don't you believe? Don't you believe what we have been believing that God can heal? What would be your response? 
if I said, he's God, God can do this. God, don't, don't, don't you believe that, that he is the God of resurrection? Wouldn't you mock? Wouldn't you probably doubt? Wouldn't you scoff? Would you believe me? I'm telling you, I know people today that are mocking and ridiculing me. I've seen it when I say that God can heal you of a virus. That he has healed every single person that I've prayed for recently. Not because I'm special, but because this is the God we can believe in. Yes. So don't judge. We sit in a society that scoffs and mocks Christians who believe that Jesus will heal diseases, that he will heal viruses, that he will heal infirmities, that he can raise the dead. Mary and Martha faced the actual death of their brother. Lazarus was in the tomb. He had been dead for four days before what happens next. Well, let's keep reading. Here's what happened. Jesus looked at her. Didn't I tell you to believe in me? You will see God unveil his power. So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and his feet, covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him, let him loose. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. They saw with their own eyes a miracle that gave them an even deeper knowledge, an even deeper revelation of Jesus Christ. They would have missed that without the delay. They saw with their own eyes a miracle that perfectly prepared them for the days that were coming. (laughs) They were about to face the eventual death by crucifixion and the resurrection of their Messiah. Yet this delay perfectly prepared them for the crucifixion and the eventual resurrection of their Messiah. We can tell from what is captured in scripture that they did not fully understand Jesus. They did not fully understand his power. They did not fully understand what he was here for. But in that delay, they were able to know Jesus as the God of resurrection and the God of life. They didn't fully grasp the fullness of what Jesus was unveiling in the delay, that Jesus had resurrection power for Lazarus himself and for all mankind. They did not truly see how this very moment would confront their ideas about Jesus with the truth of who he was, why he was here, what he could do, what he was going to do for all mankind. It would later be their testimony, though. It would later be their gospel, their good news they would go and share. At this moment, though, it was their delay. Delays clarify and they confront us with the truth of who we are, what is ours. It 
confronts us again with our beloved identity. This was pivotal for Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and the disciples. They were witnesses of God's power unveiled just exactly as he promised in scriptures and the prophets. It demanded belief. Today, delay is clarifying and confronting the church. It is exposing fear. It is exposing doubt. It is exposing the lack of understanding. It is exposing the lack of knowledge. It is exposing the lack of maturity. It is exposing the lack of love. It is exposing the lack of belief. It is exposing the lack of unity. It is exposing the lack of vision. It is exposing the lack of power. It is a time of examination. Yes, this is our crisis. Either we believe what the Bible says as absolute truth or we are not believers. Come on. We are who he says we are. We can do what he says we can do. We have everything that he says we can have. He is who he says he is. He can do everything he says he can do. He will do everything he says he will do. He can and he will do everything he says he can and will do in and through you and me. None of this is changed by situations that we face today. You have got to know this. None of this is shaking. None of this is at risk. You and I have certainty in the midst of the unknown, again, by us. You have certainty when you're under attack. You have certainty in the midst of battle. You have absolute certainty in the midst of uncertain times. Delays, even in the midst of very challenging times, clarify and confront us with the truth of who we are and what is ours. They confront us with our beloved identity. Finally, delays expose the works of the enemy so we can fight the good fight into victory. I don't know about you, but I am seeing and hearing a harsh, crude, defiant, mocking, and evil spirit that is rising up and attacking Christianity and Christians. It's been rising up in the world, but it's also influencing the actions, ideas, and teachings of those who call themselves the elect. It is spreading among those who call themselves teachers, pastors, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. What is going on? Well, my friends, delays expose what's really inside. Delays expose the voices that we are listening to. Delays expose and exploit open doors and open gates. Delays expose the works of the enemy. Delays expose the weaknesses of the warriors. We cannot begin to fight the good fight without knowing our enemy. We cannot begin to fight effectively if we are quarreling among ourselves, resisting the commands of our commander, or even refusing to acknowledge that there's a war going on. God is not our enemy. The church is not our enemy. Our loved ones are not our enemies. Our enemy is sly. But he's not all powerful. In fact, you are given all power and all authority here as in heaven by Jesus. You carry the Holy Spirit of the living God. Our enemy is a defeated foe. We are here to enforce his defeat. We are empowered by the almighty God, the God of the angel armies. He's already determined that we are victorious. He has already declared that we go from one victory parade to another, to another, to another.
That means we're going from winning one battle to winning the next battle to the next to the next. We are victors. That's what the scripture says. We are overcomers. Actually, the scripture says we're more than overcomers. We walk in victory. Delays expose this. Sure, during the delay, you can be assured that the enemy's ranting and snarling and declaring his power. But my friends, he is a liar. Sure, during the delay, you can hear the cackles of his laughter. He's an intimidator. Sure, during the delay, you can experience the deluge of the enemy. He and his cronies are really here in our midst. Sure, during the delay, you can hear his accusations about God, you, the church, your loved ones, your leaders. He's the accuser of God, and he is the accuser of the brethren. Sure, during the delay, you can hear his incessant onslaught of his lies, his threats, his stories. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. It is during the delay that his works are exposed. If we will be still and if we will watch, we can test the fruit and we can detect him. If we're confused, fearful, unclear, we need to slow down and embrace the delay. Looking back into scripture, it was in the delay that God's people experienced breakthrough that led them to fight the good fight and experience the deliverance and win the battles that they faced. The enemy was exposed. God faithfully delivered them. They won every single time. Just think about Goliath. Ranting and raging, cursing God and God's people, gloating in his own power and his own might threatening any warrior who would step up and battle him. In fact, the battleground was covered with defeated foes that he had already defeated. But the delay. In the delay, Goliath was exposed as an enemy while God brought his warrior to the battlefield. Imagine the cackles and the mockery and the threat as David confidently reached for his stone and aimed at that enemy. And then imagine the moment that giant fell. Oh, think about Elijah. He was given a very unpopular word to deliver to the king and queen. And by the way, they were surrounded by prophets. They should have had good counsel, but those around them told them what they wanted to hear. They worshiped the same false gods as Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah went to the people with a word from God. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you will call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. You're probably familiar with the showdown that happened in 1 Kings 18, 20 through 40. Elijah stood against all the other prophets and king and queen. During the delay, he had them create an impossible circumstance that would ensure that the deliverance was from God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God. He had them pour four water pots of water upon his sacrifice, not just once, not just twice, but even a third time. Look what happened. And it came to pass. 
at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. The delays expose the works of the enemy so we can fight the good fight unto victory, my friend. You may seem to be the only voice in the kingdom in your place of influence, but never underestimate the delay. The delays expose the works of the enemies. It's also we can fight the good fight unto victory. Fast forward to the ultimate showdown, the cross. Can you hear the enemy's rant? Can you hear the enemy's cackle? Can you hear the taunts? Down the Via Dolorosa, can you imagine the spit, the cursings, the mockery? On the cross, can you see the humiliation as Jesus hung in his nakedness? What God would allow his beloved son to go to the cross at the hands of mankind? Can you hear the jesting? As they gambled for his clothing? Can you hear the jesting and the ridicule, the mockery, as they hung the crown of thorns upon his head? Oh, what about as they nailed that sign mocking him as the king of kings? What about as they nailed his hands and his feet to that rugged cross and they stabbed him in the side? Can you see these moments of delay? Oh, And what about the delay as they laid his body in the tomb? During this delay, so much was exposed. The real enemy was exposed, and the real enemy, get this, was defeated. Delay exposes the enemy so we can fight the good fight unto victory. Are you wore out? Are you tired? Are you sick of waiting? I get it. I was praying to the Lord about some things that are taking just too long for me. He reminded me of this verse that I memorized so many years ago. I want to leave you guys with it today. It's in Hebrews 10, 36. In the New American Standard Version, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. The Passion Translation says it this way, You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. Then you will receive the promise in full. Isn't that powerful? It gets even better. Listen to the meaning of the word endurance. Endurance comes from the Greek word hupomone. I hope I said it right. I'm not a Greek scholar. Um, but this means a patient enduring, a remaining behind, a steadfastness. It is used to challenge us to be patient waiting for. It's to remain and endure properly under the challenges in life. It is to remain constant and answered in your purpose and loyalty to God, even when you're suffering through the greatest trials and sufferings. It is characterized by waiting in expectation and hope for, get this, 
the return of Jesus. Isn't this exactly what we need today? This time of delay is a time of exposure. It is a time for us to shore up the areas where we are weak, where we're compromising, where we're impure, where we're ill-prepared. It is a time to strength train in the spirit realm. It's a time to purify. It is a time to focus. It is a time to get our armor on and get in the battle. The delay has a purpose, a very good purpose. It's bringing about the things that God promised down through the ages. No, this delay is not about judgment or wrath or disengagement by God. This delay is not taking God by surprise. The word has prophesied about these days. You can dig in the Bible. In fact, this is part of your preparation. You need to be in the word like you've never been in the word. You should be immersed completely in the word. Have your time of reading through it. Have your time of listening to it as you go along the way. Have time where you are digging deep and studying and getting a background in a cultural context because I'm telling you, it will help you to stand firm. The word has prophesied about these days. You can dig into the Bible for the most trustworthy updates to current events. Because guess what? Delay brings exposure. Exposure must come for the church to be prepared. Today, I hear God calling for his bride to come away, to prepare, to make herself ready. Look at Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory because the wedding celebration of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen shining bright and clear, has been given to her to wear. And the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. Then the angel said to me, write these words, wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to feast at the wedding celebration of the lamb. And then he said to me, these are the true words of God. Oh Lord, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for this reassurance Lord, even when things are quiet, even when things are slow and things are not coming to pass like we think they should, even during the delay, Lord, expose, expose in us who we are, expose where we need to shore up, expose what you are doing, expose the evil so we can see it clearly, so we can speak your word clearly. Lord, I thank you for being with us. I thank you that you are with us through every bit of this. You are a with us God. And Lord, I just pray your blessings upon each and every person listening to this show. I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for this technology. I pray that you move among us, that you prepare us. Thank you, Lord. I know that's what you're doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for reminding us anew today. That delay always brings exposure. And Lord, help us to see fully, clearly what you're showing us in delays. I know you are so faithful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. First in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here through the show. If you want to listen to other shows, just go check them out. They're right there on our website. You can find us at thecindyrushtonshow.com. You can also go to cindyrushton.com and right there at the top of the page, 
there is a link to the Cindy Rushton Show. You can also find us on your favorite podcasting app. Just look up, search for the Cindy Rushton Show and subscribe. Hey, and why not leave us some feedback? Maybe give us a review, give us some stars. We just appreciate all of the support that you give us. I hope that you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'll see you again next week. And that's a wrap for the Cindy Rushton Show. We will be back next week for another awesome show. If you can't wait until then, check out other great episodes and our show notes online at our website, cindyrushton.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our show at any of your favorite podcast services so you don't miss even one episode.